back for another show. Extra points is what we call it. Garen Emig and Bill Haston from the Tulsa World here to uh, hopefully entertain you, inform you a little bit as well. We have uh, we of, huh? All right, let's do it. What you entertain, entertain and inform? That's yeah. I, I mean, it goes without saying. Is it not? Do we do we not entertain the people? Um, where's your guitar? Oh, <laughs> it's uh oh, I can't reach it. I will. You're, you're gonna. Oh, I, I want to hear your favorite Christmas carols. Well, my favorite Christmas carols, Freebird. So I mean. <laughs> I don't know that that would resonate <laughs> beyond me, but no, it's not. But I like Freebird. In fact, that was my late, my most recent uh, guitar endeavor. I had never tried to learn how to play Freebird, and I just thought, well, a billion people can't be wrong. So, you know, it's a very popular tune, <laughs> and I picked. I learned to play it a couple of nights ago. So, you got to know that Santa, at some point during his busy night pops up Freebird on the on, ah, the, on the road. That's got to be in his rotation. Right. That's, that's a 10-minute kill right there, is it not? Is it like not? nine and a half minutes, you're right. It so, was con controversial at the time because they said, oh, the radios, <laughs> radio sessions will never play it. And no. uh, here we are 50 years later talking about Freebird. Yeah, I'm, I know I know Santa's got that high on his list. Okay, well, if we entertain you, it's a bonus. Um, by the way, Google, Apple, Spotify, the way to get the show. Uh, th thanks very much for tuning in. As always, thank you so much for reading what we have to write uh, every week in the uh, in the Tulsa world and on TulsaWorld.com. Uh, Bill, what we've been working on lately is the coach search. University right. of Tulsa uh, cut Philip Montgomery loose uh, over the weekend. And now we speculate on who Rick Dixon tabs to replace Montgomery and try to get the Golden Hurricane uh, going again. Uh, first question, I guess, would be whether you were surprised, if you were surprised, that this finally was the end of, of the Montgomery era. I was surprised only that um, even the S Sunday uh, immediacy of it didn't surprise me because TU has a history of making big moves on Sundays, um, mm -hmm. like end of season, date next day Sundays. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, no, there was no, not really any surprise. Prize. And I, in the piece I wrote for the Monday paper, I mentioned that I had seen a lot of emotional fatigue. What I sensed was emotional fatigue with Philip in recent weeks. And if you watched his recent or attended his recent media sessions, he just had a, his countenance, countenance looked like a guy who was uh, brokenhearted. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had never seen him look quite like, like, like that. So um <clears throat> Sorry, speaker just shut down. Uh, so I think I just think you know Frank Haith was uh, until you parted ways after eight years, right? So sounds right. Eight years. Eight years is a good window, a good sized window to determine. I think whether you want to stay married to somebody or move on. In a in this sense, I mean, not mm -hmm. old marriage, but, but, uh, so I think TU ultimately decided, uh, after eight years, it looks the way it looks, attendance looks the way it looks. There's a, there's a real, uh, if, if there's a defining characteristic of the program, it's inconsistency. Mm -hmm. Right. So I just think at the eight-year mark, they said, let's see what it looks like with fresh energy from somebody else. And so 
My guess, Garen, is that Rick, this isn't a process that began Sunday night for Rick. Just put no. it that way. You're right, right, right. No, it, it wasn't. And the uh, his departure leaves clues as to what the, the replacement has to has to get accomplished. Um, Montgomery connected with his with his guys. That's unquestionable. Uh, the fact that the, the hurricane hung in even right to the end of this season. Sure. Where they where they go to Houston, they had no business beating Houston. I mean, Houston's been a disappointment too this year, but still, you don't expect to you to, to win that game with everything going around the program. Ooh. They do. Uh, the the COVID year was a, a terrific example of a team fighting through a bunch of stuff and and making a go of things. Last year was uh, another. A big example of going from three and six to six and six and winning a bowl game, and uh, Montgomery got his guys to uh, to to sort of you know move move the mountain so to speak, and it is a mountain to climb if you're a TU football coach. The the thing that the the next guy has to do is tap into um, the things that that coaches have to do at Tulsa to to survive, and that is you know win some, win some margin statistics and. Uh, you do that on special teams, and and Montgomery's teams were disastrous on special teams year after year. And you do that by by not doing things like false starting on third and three, right? Not holding to negate a fifteen yard completion on on third and ten. Not grabbing someone's face mask on you know when you've got uh, oh, when you've got yeah. back. That happened over and over and over and over again. And and Tulsa failed in the margins. And if if you're gonna make things work at, your, at Tulsa with all of the, the resource problems and challenges with the, the, the a roster of two stars, not four stars. If you're going to succeed, you've got to win in the margins. Montgomery didn't. The next guy does. I don't think uh, there's just no way around that. Yeah. And Philip is a, uh, Philip is an offensive coach and a quarterbacks coach and who coached Case Keenum at Houston and Robert Griffin at Baylor. And uh, got unbelievable results from a quarterback he inherited, Dane Evans, in 2016. Right. Uh, you know, the most one of the more dynamic and certainly balanced offenses Tulsa's ever had. They almost had exact balance run pass in 2016 mm -hmm. and won 10 games. And in each season since, uh, even the great 2020 season, and, but in each season since, uh, there's been um, you talk about inconsistency at the quarterback position. Holy moly! Every quarterback he brought into the program since Dane Evans, yeah, uh, from Chad President Luke Skipper all the way through Davis Brent and now Braxton, uh, there was just such erratic yeah. results, and so. Um, which is a shame because the defensive side of the program got really healthy the last five years. Mm -hmm. Bill Young left that defensive culture really, really, really healthy. Mm -hmm. And Coach Gillespie really lifted it to a kind of a shocking level, to be honest. And so I just think, you know, I mean – you know, I, I've heard expressions, well, I feel bad for Coach Montgomery, and this is unfortunate, this is really sad, or whatever. And I'm like, it is to a point, except that he walked, he, he got paid about $10 million or $11 million while he was here. So it's, you know what I mean? I mean, he did really well. He's, he made more money to coach football at Tulsa than anybody ever before. 
just like Frank Haith made a lot more money than right. anybody ever who coached basketball here. And so after eight years, the university uh, decided to make a, a move in basketball and now football in the same calendar year. Well, whoever you talk about the quarterback position, and by the way, to support this, support what you're saying, I, find, I still find this incredible. Uh, the quarterback since Dane Evans left, 99 touchdown passes, 64 interceptions. I mean, when when you're almost as likely to throw an interception as a touchdown pass in mm-hmm. today's college football game, you got serious problems with your offense, and that 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 was supposed to be Montgomery's forte. So you you nailed if you're going to pin it on one position. You nailed it with with the quarterback development. Here's the thing, Bill. If Braylon Braxton's the guy that that we saw the last three weeks of this season, where he's throwing for 300 yards, running for 50 to 100, yeah. I mean, I guess the first meeting I'm having is the new head coach is a one on one with Braylon Braxton and make sure he doesn't get portalitis because the and uh, the next and the first staff hire I'm making is probably assuming this is not an offensive guru. Uh, is the quarterback's coach who is going to develop that kind of raw talent that the kid obviously has. So the, so the who is that guy, I guess, is a question now. I think that conversation with Braxton already took place. I think it took place a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Are you with us or are you, are you, or are you not? And um, I think they, I think, I think Tulsa's already gotten an assurance from him uh, because, you know, before it became publicly known, I guess that Davis Britton was going into the portal. Uh, you know, it was known at TU. So, um, yeah, I think that, that conversation already, I think, has taken place. And, and they feel good about having him in the building when spring practice starts in about two and a half months, three months, whatever. Sure. So. But you're right. I mean, he he's got a little. Uh, you know what? If he develops uh, in the way that we hope he does, he's kind of a Vince Young lookalike a little bit. Uh, I, I was I was really impressed the other night. Uh, not just with him, but but the fact that that, like you say, they had no business. You know, and 99 out of 100 teams probably in that position, that close to the finish line. I mean, what, what's their effort level going to really be at? So uh, I was impressed and surprised that they won the game. And uh, so here you go with the search. And, and, uh, Who's your under- guy? Do you, have, do you have a horse in the oh, derby? Well, I mean, it just depends. If you're going with the Power 5 coordinator, younger guy, recruiting relationships, pedigree guy, I mean, Holman Wiggins from Alabama is the guy I would mm-hmm. I would first look at. Uh, he's 42. He coached at TU, you know, granted one year, but he has been there. He was with Coach Blankenship in 2011, okay? Uh, he is an assistant head coach for Nick Saban, and he is the one who identified Cole Adams from Owasso, Oklahoma, as a guy that the Alabama Crimson Tide wanted, and he's the guy who beat OU for the commitment of Cole Adams. So – or are you leaning more toward a guy with a little older guy, perhaps? <clears throat> Not that the age, the age is mm-hmm. irrelevant, but the experience. Or do you lean toward the guy who's who has is a head coach or has been a head coach? In which case, Barry Odom, I hear his name a lot. 
Uh, he has the support of some really important, influential people. And then just in the last 24 hours, I mean, Kevin Wilson, Ohio State offensive coordinator. He's a name that popped up on my phone. Uh, Tim Albin, A-L-B-I-N, Ohio Bobcats head coach, an Oklahoma native. He was an Alva for a while, wasn't he? Out at, uh, yeah. yeah, he lived there. Yeah. Uh, and spent, uh, I think he got his master's in Tahlequah. So, I mean, you talk about a, a guy who has like been all over the map in Oklahoma. So, uh, and I recently, it's funny, I recently heard an interview, radio interview with Tim Albin and was so impressed mm-hmm. uh, by the guy, you know, and never dreaming that I was listening to a guy who might be involved at Tulsa ultimately. But it, so I don't, I don't pretend to know like what Rick Dixon's thinking or if, Ultimately, we're going to go to a news conference and be introduced to a guy who nobody's thinking about or talking about right now. That's what like with the basketball <laughs> surge. Yeah, the, he did that with the basketball surge, right? Uncle was a very late in the process guy. Yeah. Name popped, and then Frank Hayes, his name didn't pop until he was like en route to the campus <laughs> to meet with the players. Yeah. Uh, so you never know, but but. Uh, you know, Seth Luttrell is a name that pops a lot. G.J. Kinney was a really hot name in the beginning, but more than one person, and not just guys on my phone, but but people who are really mm-hmm. kind of connected uh, to the process said, as as impressive as G.J. Kinney is and as beloved as he is at TU, he's only 33, and there's a concern that the complexities of – the Tulsa job would eat him alive at this point. And he's, you know, a young head coach uh, who could be destined for an amazing FBS career. We'll see. But I hear that about him being young, and I think, well, Dave Rader was 31 when he got that job. So, um, but then again, the number on the age, really, I don't care about that part of it. Um, um, You know, a name that I didn't throw in in, – I, I've cropped up Brendan Mary just because I like the guy so much, and I think yeah. it's a fantastic story. Uh, he's he was the subject of, of something I wrote earlier this week. Who's Texas pass game coordinator, receivers coach, who's made, who's moved up the one rung in the ladder at a time every year for the last yeah. seven. Um, he's not a thirty. I think he's a, he's a rising star. I, I I think so. Yeah, but you talked about the complexities of the job, and that's that's very fair because you've. I mean, my first thought is Rick's got to find someone who who's going to head coach just because I mean, it, the complexities of any job uh, can be enough to overwhelm a guy. But if you've never done it, even even at a well, say that you say that to use like training wheels, right, because it's not nearly as big a deal as, as OU or Alabama or Ohio State and blah, blah, blah. Well, you could look at that the other way and say the challenges are so steeper at TU. You don't have a, a built-in infrastructure to support you, right? And you've got to be creative to find ways around the obstacles. And so you all, it almost behooves you to found ways around maybe smaller obstacles at bigger schools to, to yeah. understand how to get the job done at TU. And that's why names like you said, Barry Odom, Matt Wells, who's done it at Tech, there you uh, go. Utah State, Justin Fuentes, done it at Virginia Tech in Memphis. I mean, if they're at all interested, and that's the question, would they be interested in in sort of rebooting at a place like Tulsa? I think this will be very telling, Garrett, as to uh, because Philip, 
I can't tell you to the penny what he was making, but it was in the neighborhood of 1.3 million to maybe a million and a half. Mm -hmm. So I know uh, that over the last 15 months, TU has, has taken its fundraising um, to a better level. Is it, a, uh, is it at what level is it a better level? I don't know. Does Rick Dixon now have the ability to pay a football coach $2 million? I think once we begin to get uh, a real clear vision of who wants the job, who is really pursuing it, then we'll kind of have a feel for what they're paying. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, what is Kevin Wilson making as a coordinator? Yeah, right I would assume he'd make more at Ohio State as a, as a coordinator yeah. than he would at TU as a head coach. Exactly. So uh, has TU – Gotten to a point where, you know, I mean, it's when Todd Graham became the first million-dollar coach ever at TU in 07, it was shocking. Uh, and now, um, you know, in, in 22, is, is TU, does TU have the ability to pay a head football coach $2 million? And then there's that domino effect of yeah. paying the staff, you know, so mm – -hmm. uh, Bill, uh, it's only been eight years since Bill Blankenship left to you, and Bill was making six twenty-five his final season, one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars his final season. So yeah, so I mean, um, I, that, I'm so so uh, intrigued by where TU stands on money and what they'll be able to do. Uh, and today is the thirtieth of November, I think. I think there's a decent chance that by the time you and I do this next week that we'll be talking about the new head coach to you. I think I think I think Rick Dixon would be upset if he if we weren't talking about him this time next week. I, I sort of think we're going to have a pretty good idea by the end of the week, the end of this week, and if not the start of, of, of next week. I, I just I just get that sense. Hey, um, a mutual friend of ours. Uh, Cade McFarland over at uh, Channel 2 tweeted out a pretty cool list of candidates not long after the news broke Sunday. He included Joe Gillespie, who you mentioned earlier in the, in the show, the guy who used to be TU's defensive coordinator and is now doing a pretty good job, shall we say, with TCU <laughs> and uh, in his first year with Sonny Dykes down there. How about the offensive coordinator at TCU as a candidate? And I didn't – it's, it's a name I wish I'd thought of before I, I wrote – the, the column Monday because I, I included a couple just two coordinators sitting coordinators and I should have I should have thrown him in as well I like Garrett Riley I mean if, if, if he was on the list I put together for the sun, uh, Monday paper um I mean what is Garrett's age he is well he's 30 something 30 something I don't know what the second number is 31 or 32. No, I mean he. We put we put it we put him on the list in the Monday paper. Uh, I mean, the, the just the name. If his name was Garrett Smith, probably not. Uh, but because he is Lincoln's brother, and because Lincoln is so, you wonder about the DNA of the Rileys and their ability to generate great offense. And you know, is is he going to be what his brother has become? I don't know. Um, so I, I don't, that's, that's what I'm saying is I don't, I would feel more strongly about Garrett Riley as a candidate or a possible candidate if I knew which way Rick was leaning or if, if in fact Rick is, you know, I'll, I, I do know this from messages received last night that, uh, 
definitely the the uh there is a search firm working on behalf of TU. Right. And um because that's how I found out about the Kevin Wilson mm-hmm. and uh Tim Albin involvement. And by involvement, I mean he's they are on TU's radar somehow. Is Garrett Riley on that radar? I don't know. I yeah. don't he's yeah. a great to speculate about. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating story because of the name and uh, yeah, a small sample size, very young age, not been a head coach. His brother obviously has. I'd like to think Lincoln might help him out in terms of in terms of the do's and don'ts. Uh, but I'll say this: the job that he's done with Max Duggan alone this year at TCU probably ought to make him viable yeah. in some places. Some places. Um, so timeline, you're thinking by next week, by this time next week at the latest, or yeah, oh, yeah. I just I just know because of the uh, early signing day. Yeah, the, right, right. Signing right. day. Uh, you know, there's there are two immediate assignments. Well, there's there are a hundred immediate assignments for a new football coach, but two of them are uh, to sustain what you have on your commitment list, and then to hopefully you know augment it, add to it, mm-hmm. make it better, and hope okay. hope that the uh, pop you get from the hire might inspire a kid or two who might be you know on the fence right now to, mm-hmm. to come play for Tulsa so uh, you, you can't drag your feet on a football hire is it worth bringing up Lauren Montgomery here at all I think so yeah I think he's a genius I think I, I think he's a football genius and I don't think he's a high school football genius I think he's a genius who happens to be coaching high school football right now if that makes sense. So, yeah, it's worth bringing up. Well, will TU take a look at him? I'm not suggesting he's like that Lauren is far and away the, the best candidate. But if, if TU doesn't look at a guy who just finished winning 58 in a row and who is favored to win his eighth championship in nine years and to do it in his first year in 6A1, a 6A1 season during which Bixby averaged 68 points a game. And beat opponents by six, 68 to eight on average. Mm-hmm. If you don't take a look at that guy and see j- just the tenets of his program, the, just the the building, what he has done to build what he, if you don't look at this guy, uh, it's irresponsible. If you don't at least find out what makes him tick and then what he does to make that program tick. If you don't look at that, that's ir- if you don't take a look at that, that's irresponsible. Okay. And stupid, I would even say, and lazy. If you don't find out, if you don't at least find out that, you know, maybe he's not interested. I, You know, I was around Lauren for two hours the other day. I didn't ask him about it. It wasn't the time or the place. You don't ask. I wasn't going to ask him about that on a Monday before right. playing championship. Uh, and to be honest, he and I have never discussed that. Uh, I, I just know he's a genius. And that's not just my, I mean, it, obviously it's my opinion, but I know I'm right. Mm-hmm. Nah. So, that's what he, <laughs> he is. He's a genius. Spoken like, spoken like a sports columnist right there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so it's the Owasso Rams having to overcome not just a a, a, a well-oiled machine of a, of a football team. And I think they, they've sort of uh, squirted a few more uh, gallons into the, into the, into the uh, mechanism since the loss to Jinx. But the, the, uh, all Bill Blankenship has to do is 
take a how many four loss Owasso team or three four yeah four loss Owasso team and and, yeah. and not not just beat the team beat the Bixby Spartans but beat the genius of a head coach so can right. it happen yeah uh, yes actually uh, Owasso they lost a fifteen hundred yard tailback in the during the summer and then lost Cole Adams on opening night so and Cole Adams might have been the preseason favorite to be the player of the year in the state. And so, and then after that, subsequent to losing those two, by midseason, five running backs had gotten hurt. Hmm. They were starting a tight end at running back. <laughs> and a little bitty slot receiver named Jakari Thomas, who now is a revelation. He's a phenom. Um, he, he's like a Presley-type kid. Mm -hmm. So Bill Blankenship and his offensive staff week by week just had to see, okay, who do we have available to us and how can we make it work? Take our available pieces and see what we can get out of it. And now lo and behold, they've won eight in a row. And um, uh, their defense is really good there. And now they've gone from this, they would have been a big play uh, offense with a lot of highlights to a very patient quarterback run game offense. Um, that was so, their ball control the other day is the reason really they won the game because Union only had 42 plays before the overtime periods began. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, they could win, sure. I mean, Bixby would have to help them in some regards, but, but I mean, the Bixby, uh, that I saw beat mm -hmm. Jeeps the other day. Uh, they they have to be considered a, not necessarily like a heavy favorite, like three or four touchdowns, but a, dis, a, a decisive favorite. Yeah. They're, they're the, they've been the best team all year, and I think they're the best team now. Does that mean they'll win? No. Uh, it would be foolish to uh, say that a Bill Blankenship team has no chance. That's ridiculous. So it, it, it's a fascinating matchup. It, yeah. It's a fascinating championship weekend. In 5A, you have a McAllister team that lost 49-0 midseason at Coweta. They are in the championship game now. Their stud commit for, for OU, Eric McCarty, uh, which I'm writing about it as we speak, uh, sustained one of the worst knee injuries I've ever heard of uh, two weeks ago. And – so there's another example of having to reinvent yourself, you know, on the fly. And so here's McAllister in the championship game um, against Carl Albert. And then in uh, 4A, Wagner lost 42-0 at Cushing midseason. Yeah. yeah. Started to figure out stuff. You know who plays in the 4A final? Wagner and Cushing. It's crazy. <laughs> and then here's uh, Owasso loses by 35 opening night to Bixby. It's one and four before we even get to October. And now they're in the championship game. So three unbelievable examples of recovery and improvisation in season and not losing, not having their guys' uh, spirits get broken and just keep grinding. You know, grinding is a word that's overused sometimes, but I think it applies to these three schools, three, these three teams, uh, because had they – taking a step back at all with regard to engagement or giving a crap, they're not playing right now. Right, right. And may not have even played in the playoffs in Owasso's case. Yeah. 
so yeah, very interesting uh, weekend of championship football. Yeah. Hey, real quick before we cut cut the cut everyone loose, I did not expect to have to be asking you about whether we would be writing about golf again this May. But apparently, we're going to be writing about golf again this May. No. Yeah. I read the I read Bill Hayes' byline in the Tulsa World, and it tells me that we've got a few uh, heavy, literally heavy hitters coming back to uh, coming back to town. What's going was, on, man? I was driving to Owasso yesterday and listening to a, a radio station, a radio, an Oklahoma City station, and Sam Humphreys, who's a former TU golfer, mm -hmm. just kind of drops. Oh, and oh, by the way, and it was that, that Live Golf is going to bring an event to Cedar Ridge Country Club in, Tol in Broken Arrow, uh, May 12th through 14th. And I'm like, wow. Finish it a while, so I'll make some calls and get more details about it. And so here we go. I mean, the, uh, the Bryson DeChambeau and Bill Mickelson and um, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed. You know, there's a lot of stars on that. On that, it's a. I mean, it's a controversial uh, yeah. golf, no question. Right. Uh, but they're going to have a, their 14, 14 tournament schedule for 23. 2023 will be released Monday, I believe. And so at that point, we will know this is happening instead of expecting it to happen. We'll know it's going to happen. So, yeah, May 12 through 14, which I believe is the same weekend as about a billion other events and tournaments and high school championships and Big 12 baseball. Yeah, and, right. And, but, but I mean, uh, Cedar Ridge is a great golf course. Uh, I used to cover uh, those LPGA events there 15 years ago, and and it will definitely. Uh, I mean, with all due respect to Southern Hills, Southern Hills is not the only elite, beautiful golf course in this market. So uh, mm -hmm. it's a great score for Cedar Ridge. It'll be a great week of uh, expo uh, not exposure of, of marketing. You know, exposure, sure. For, for Cedar Ridge and uh, and a third consecutive year of big time golf in this market. Six years, the PGA and now live golf. Well, let me let me just ask you this real quick. When we covered the uh, the PGA at Southern Hills, the, the 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 PGA versus live was was just you know eruptive, right? I mean, Mickelson didn't show up because he didn't didn't want to face the Face a cannon fire, essentially uh, drove that kind of a name away yeah. from that tournament. Uh, it was it was still a topic with almost every golfer who appeared at a press conference. It, it, it was still a topic after the after the PGA was done. Where where is that feud now, Bill? Is it is it simmered any? Has has there been any peace offerings? Has there been any uh, progress made on at least getting some kind of a common ground in terms of the two tours that you know of? Well, I mean, are you are you talking about the kind of uh, uh, common ground that would lead to an AFL NFL murder? Yeah, no, sure. no, hell no. I don't. I don't. I would really be. I would be shocked if uh, if there was some sort of melding of the two companies. Uh, no, I. I mean, it's it's if if it's if it's cooled off a little bit, only because of the passage of time. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you can't just scream and stomp your feet all day every day i mean at some point you move on and uh so no I, I i think i think the two leagues are enemies for life and and um 
natural enemies for life and that'll never change. And mm -hmm. uh, what will be interesting uh, about the Saudi backed live league is when are they going to score, uh, you know, and, and listen, for all I know, maybe a story is broken today and I haven't seen it. I don't know, but when are they going to score a legitimate TV arrangement mm -hmm. where I don't have to watch live golf on YouTube? Uh, well, really, that's how you watched it. That's yeah. how. Right. So, um, and how many more players, how many more marquee A-list guys, you know, make that jump? Um, and at some point, too, at what point do the Saudis say, we're pouring money down a hole and not getting a great return, not getting the kind of bang out of this that we expected. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I mean, but this will be their first uh, last year they had eight tournaments this year, 14. Uh, I guess this will kind of be their first real full year. Maybe I guess is the best way to put it. Well, yeah, it would be their first full year. Um, didn't they, their first tournament was like a few weeks after the right last mm -hmm. year. So, uh, I don't know if they continue to throw $100 million guaranteed contracts at players. They'll still, there'll be a few more guys who jump on that money. You kidding um, but I will say this, it's, it, they need to clean up with however they present it on television or on YouTube or whatever. They got to clean some stuff up because that little, that, uh, vertical scoreboard on the left edge of the, of the screen, uh, that'll make, that'll give you motion sickness. Just trying to keep up with that. And then the team format and the individual scoring and all that stuff, it's a lot to keep up with in some regards. I think, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that the team format model is that I don't know if the public is that fired up about that part of it. I just don't. I mean, it's different for sure. It's different that they let them wear shorts. You know, there's some uh, obvious differences like the ABA with the red, white and blue basketball, you know, I mean, uh, so I'd just be interested to see by the time we get to 24, if live golf still looks like it mostly like it does today, or if, if they're just going to tweak this thing as they go along. Yeah. But um, apparently we're going to have it here for three yeah. days in uh, mid-May, May 12, 13, 14. I just hope we have the same weather for that event that we had here for the seniors. <laughs> like the two different uh, weather patterns. Oh, it's just, just a cool, beautiful, perfect yeah. days ago. And it's uh, obviously it's live events are 54 whole three days. Uh, versus 72, four days for the yeah. peace. So, no, but but to answer your question, I, I don't think there'll ever be like peace or, okay. or, or they'll never uh, join hands and join forces. I, I don't see that ever. All right. All right. We'll, uh, we'll, tear, we'll tear through that a lot more as we move from the winter to the spring and, and uh, start to put everything else aside. But uh, it's still football. Primarily on everyone's mind, we realize that. Uh, so we try to cover some ground on that topic here today. Enjoy the high school games if you're headed that direction this weekend, folks. Uh, keep reading our material on the TU coach search and uh, what's going on with the Sooners and Cowboys. They've shut down their regular seasons, but they still have bowl prep to uh, to take care of and a bowl invite coming their way on, on Sunday. We'll be all over that as we, we try to do. Um, for Bill, this is Garen. Thank you very much for tuning in to Extra Points. We'll talk to you next week.